How do social media, gender roles, and ageism affect agriculture? Find out in Beyond the Field, a podcast brought to you by The Mosaic Company. Listen to the farmers who are changing the industry for the better. Visit beyondthefieldpodcast.com to learn more. And welcome to The Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of The Scoop, Margie Echelkamp. Really excited about this conversation we have to share with our audience today with Steve Watts. Steve, hello. How are you? I'm great, Margie. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. So Steve is uh, a current member of the team at Feral Growth Group. And your attempt at retirement is soon on the horizon, and I really look forward to this conversation. Steve, I had a a mentor instill in me about 10 years ago how important it was to listen to others' experiences. And you have been in ag retail for 38 years and consulting for ag retailers in the last eight years. So first, congratulations on everything you've done in your career. Well, thank you. And if we could, Steve, I'm curious, what what did you think you wanted to be when you quote unquote grew up? <laughs> well, I'm not sure I've grown up yet, but when I was growing up in, in my uh, adolescent years, the only thing that crossed my mind was being a major league baseball player. So if you wanted to learn something about Mickey Mantle or Willie Mays or Sandy Koufax or any of the other great names from the 60s, I could tell you more than you want to know. But it quickly became apparent that at about age 12, I wasn't going to be able to get that childhood dream accomplished. So I kind of shifted into wanting to be a fighter pilot, had no idea how I would ever achieve it. By the time I graduated high school, however, I was really kind of interested in becoming a forester or a game warden. And uh, a career in agriculture where my only prior exposure had been boxing onions and thinning apples and bucking bales, driving swather and delivering fertilizer was a, shall we say, less than glorious introduction. So a career in agriculture, much less a career in ag retail, never crossed my mind before I entered college and learned that only four out of 100 students in my first natural resources seminar would likely get jobs after graduation. Those didn't seem like very good odds, and I transferred to agriculture in the next quarter. So you uh, you sought out employment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I chased reality. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So when you reflect on your almost 40 years in ag retail, what what are some of those milestones? What are some of those, you know, almost kind of memorable time stamps that stand out in your memory? Well, this will be odd, but uh, probably the most important time stamp occurred when I was a sophomore in high school in 1971, and I was helping my father clean the McGregor Company's main office. My dad was a lifelong police officer. In those days, a police officer couldn't make an adequate living. And so my dad, all of my life, had two jobs, one a part-time job as a janitor and the other as 
uh, police chief in some cases of the small towns that we had lived in while I was growing up. Helping my dad in the beginning that way gave me a real appreciation and admiration for the people who do the actual work in organizations, and I've never forgotten that. Um, I came back from college to the McGregor Company in 1975 and um, started, well, I worked in a couple of branch locations, managed a couple of them, but a significant timestamp for me was 1982 when we started the McGregor Research Program, um, yeah. and now it's almost nearing 40 years in existence, and as far as I know, there's nothing like it in ag retail. Uh, across the U.S. It was also the year I actually made good on a childhood dream and became a pilot. And then in uh, 19, 1991, I started meeting with some people by the name of names of Tom Hall and Ron Farrell and Harold Reitz and others. And those initial media meetings eventually developed into what is today the International CCA program. So we were all founders yeah. of that. And that was a significant undertaking, and it's how I met Ron Farrell, which was fortuitous in the extreme. Um, around 1999-2001, McGregor Company undertook two important changes. One was to separate somewhat the pricing for products and services on the crop protection mm -hmm. side with a program called McGregor 2000. Now it's called Farm Partner Today. And then in 2001, with fertilizer, with a program called Yield Builder that's now Nutrient Builder, it customizes the fertilizer pricing uh, issue for uh, the company. And again, these are unique offerings that I don't think have been replicated uh, to any large degree in the country. Uh, 2012, I retired and joined Fail Growth Group. And in 2014, as one of my consulting projects, we started working on and developing a new distribution concept, which eventually resulted in the development of the line bag distributors, which was launched in October 2015, a joint venture between 10 mostly Western independent retailers and Winfield United. And then yeah. I guess the la last timestamp would be this year when I intend to retire at the end of the year from Farrell Growth Group. Yeah. Steve, you share um, that impression that you had as a young man helping your dad clean the offices at McGregor Company. What what did you see in that company that really helped ignite this focus that you've had? What appealed to you? Well, I I have to say I don't think – Somebody necessarily lit a fire in me, but they paid attention to me, and that meant the world yeah. to me. So um, yeah. I, I was given an opportunity, and it was mine to uh, capitalize on or to, or to forfeit, but a fire welled up inside of me, and I saw the same type of fire burning in others. And I think that's the secret to the McGregor Company is their ability to – recruit and provide room for people to expand to their maximum potential. That's why people are largely career employees there. Wow. 
Yeah, no better investment than um, spending time and seeing potential with young talent, right? That's right, and it's a real credit to the founder, Sherman McGregor, and to his son who succeeded him, Alex McGregor. Yeah, yeah. And we are going to take a brief break from my conversation with Steve Watts to hear this message from our podcast sponsor. From transforming overnight into a YouTube star to paving the way for women in agriculture, the stories of American farmers might surprise you. There aren't many places to hear the real stories of the American farm until now. Beyond the Field by the Mosaic Company allows you to be a fly on the wall in these conversations. We interview farmers from different backgrounds and regions about how their paths have led to unexpected opportunities. In spite of challenges like dated gender roles and the looming presence of social media, these farmers show that with grit and creativity, you can forge your own way. They educate the public on agriculture's impact in unique ways and inspire the future generations of farmers to keep the world turning. These stories will entertain, educate, and most importantly, deepen your connection to farming in your community. Listen to the Beyond the Field podcast brought to you by The Mosaic Company. Listen today at beyondthefieldpodcast.com. And now we'll hop right in to the rest of my interview with ag retail legend, Steve Watts. So Steve, you have such a depth and breadth from, from branch manager to starting the research program, all of your consulting work, you, you being one of the founders of the CCA program. How, how do you measure success? Well, personally, I measure success by the strength of those, the number and strength of relationships. Business-wise, yeah. however, I measure I measure success in very black and white terms, and that is by profitable growth. And I, I, let me explain that just a bit, if I can. I think that there are many businesses that are profitable, but they're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're slowly dying. And there are other businesses that are growing, but they're not profitable. And when that happens, you're, you're quickly dying. And so I am a proponent of profitable growth measured over time, knowing that neither profits nor growth alone is sufficient. And I really do feel that unless that is tended to in a business, all the other great things a company can do um, are impossible to achieve. Wow. I like that a lot. Tell me, um, when you look at the, the trends that are affecting ag retail, let's just say within the last five years, how do you think those trends will play out in the next five years? Well, certainly chief among them is consolidation. Um, that's yeah. going to continue across all facets of, of agriculture on the input side with farms and distributors and retailers and manufacturers. On the output side with commodity buyers and brokers and shippers and processors and so forth. And ag retail is not going to be spared. Um, uh -huh. They're going to, this is going to have to continue in ag retail because 
We have to cope with talent drain within organizations. We have to cope with increasing pricing power of larger mm-hmm. farmers and larger and larger suppliers. We have mm-hmm. to do so to compete and remain relevant, and we have to cope with the need for ever-increasing productivity and operating efficiency. Now, will every ag retailer eventually fall victim to consolidation? Absolutely not. Those who have sufficient scale and talent and capital and maybe above all determination won't just survive, but will prosper. So um, there's going to be a bifurcation uh, created from this, but not everybody is going to be gone. So consolidation, one big mega trend. Are there any others that you've really been watching? Well, I've certainly paid attention to the whole precision ag movement for now 30 years. And I always sit back and try to analyze whether it's this is truly a value driver or is table stakes. And the analogy I would use is if a company doesn't have a phone system, they're out of business because they have no way to communicate other than face-to-face with their customers. But I don't think anybody actually looks at their phone system as being a critical value driver in their business. And yet it's an essential piece of their business. A phone system is table stakes. And a lot of the things that are done with precision ag are table stakes as well. And you have to be careful when you're in that mode because you don't have something that it by itself necessarily delivers value or definitely value that you can charge separately and adequately for. So that's a trend that's going to be worth watching to see what things people adapt successfully and what they experiment with and and leave to the side of the road in time. I think another trend, Margie, is going to be agri-retail's longer-term response to e-commerce. Um, ag retail survived round one quite easily, I think, but the game's far from over. And I believe that all long-term successful ag retailers will have to have a digital presence in the future. Though it won't all be about transactions, it'll be about working with customers in a manner that they wish to work. I think we're going to see increasing use of non-traditional and or underutilized products in the future as um, we try to scratch out all the last components of yield we can find. And I think another trend is retailers are going to have to be steadily refreshing their value propositions. And those that don't uh, will be ultimately left behind and probably fall prey to the consolidation knife. You referenced retailers are kind of, um, some of them are, are, are rushing to be at the table, right? Be able to put the ante on the table, whatever that table stakes are, but also they have to be mm-hmm. focused on the horizon and their strategy short-term and long-term, correct? Correct. Absolutely correct. So with the consolidation, as you referenced, to really all aspects, of agriculture, it seems those those links in the supply chain are getting more and more compressed. How specifically should ag retail be positioning themselves? The most important thing an ag retailer can do is to stay relevant. I, I really don't think that the uh, 
system is being compressed uh, other than just in numbers. There's still all the layers of the system are still very much in place. But to have a position at the table or to have one of the chairs, if you will, in this game of musical chairs, you have to be relevant. And you have to be relevant to the people above you and relevant to the people below you. Um, and, and that takes focus and agility and continually adapting to what is required to take care of those needs. Yeah. No, that's well said. Steve, if you could go back and you're just starting out in ag retail, what would you want to tell yourself? <laughs> well, I think the I think the thing I think of most is is uh, I would tell myself to relax. Uh, this is a marathon life is and not a sprint, and it's incredibly important to focus on what's most important while not overly dreading that which appears most urgent, but often is not as important. Every season uh, will seem like the last at the beginning of the season. And at the end of the season, we all think it's all, well, it wasn't all that bad after all. I've seen that repeated 38 times in my career. My son who's in this business is going through the same thing, and I just counsel him that this too will pass, and most of these are just the, the issues that we face on a daily basis are tempests and teapots, and it's, while you should never lose focus, you should never be overly consumed by them. Oh, so well said. And as you're looking toward your retirement, what is the, the one thing that you want to share with ag retailers? Well, I would I will share more than one thing. Number one would be try oh, to wonderful. filter out some of the try to filter out some of the noise and focus on what's most important. Uh, you know, operate with a couple critical business objectives or measurements. And don't move the goalpost when things don't go your way, way. Actually make changes. Another would be to select and start creating relationships with the right customers. A lot of retailers are vulnerable because they're doing business with customers who themselves are going to retire, and the retailers aren't part of their succession planning. It's very important retailers are working with the customers that will sustain their business and help keep it modern by their uh, expectations that keeps them relevant another would be to try very hard to avoid what I call shiny object silver bullet syndrome that is trying to find something you can write a check for that will overcome all of your challenges I think it's more basic than that I think it comes down to your people I think it comes down to taking care of your customers and I don't think there are silver bullets uh, that can be drawn upon that someone else can't match with their checkbook and finally, realize that you're, if, if it's your job to choose the course for your company and the course it will take and to bring those around you to support that choice, you have to lead. And, and there has to be a leader that can rally the troops. And if you do those things, you'll have infinitely more success. Wow, Steve, you have shared so much, and uh, I'm going to at least listen to this interview more than a handful of times, because I don't think I caught it all on our first conversation, but Steve, thank you so much for, for you generously sharing your experience 
and your insights from all of us at The Scoop and from Journal. We wish you a great start to this next season of your life. Well, thanks very much, Margie. It's been a pleasure to visit with you. One farm family has a side hustle. Another's spouse had to step away for it to succeed. Listen to the Beyond the Field podcast by The Mosaic Company. Hear stories from farmers whose common thread is about changing the industry. Learn more at beyondthefieldpodcast.com.